0: In my younger and more venerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my head ever since. He said, don't read crappy books, Mick. But I ignored him like I ignore everything he says. This is BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange. My wife, Sue, and I exchange the worst book we can find and then explain them to each other, sight unseen.
1: This week on BiblioVile, Mick reads An Appetite for Murder by Lucy Burdett. And I read Cover Me by Catherine Mann.
0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is still Mick Digginson, and with me is still Susan Dickinson. Uh, it's been a month, it's been a month uh, since we have gotten married, and it's still fun to say Susan Dickinson out loud. Plus,
1: I'm pretty sure that's, like, actually my name now. <laughs>
0: well... It, <laughs> it, it takes
1: a real long time for things to become official, but I think I am actually in real life. Susan Dickinson. It's very exciting.
0: Nice. Uh, real life and the podcast that three people listen to. Uh, this is, as I said before, BiblioVile. Uh, the clue is right there in the name. The Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. Sue and I go to a library. We pick out the worst book we can find. Uh, we try to look for bad covers, bad back covers, uh, writers that we may know, which I'll bring up later, uh, to try and find just the worst experience that we can inflict on each other, because every marriage needs a little bit of sociopathy.
1: Apparently. Apparently. The cool part about this round of Bibliophile was that we got a new library to explore. That's got true. some new digs. Um, Ames Public Library, you treated us well. We'll truly miss you, but we have headed east.
0: We've headed east to the bright lights big city of Riverside, Iowa, and the bright lights and big city of no more walk-in closets, unfortunately. So our recording studio, such as it were, uh, is long gone, and it has been replaced by an entry foyer into a bedroom. I hope it sounds okay. Uh, This is the best we could do. I put a big blanket up on the door to try and stomp out the sound, but then again, I'm no audio engineer.
1: I mean, our mic costs $12, so I feel like the sound quality in this podcast isn't going to be excellent regardless. So, that's true. Yeah.
0: The amount of drinks we've consumed during the recording of this podcast has cost more than the equipment necessary to record it. Um, because we are not moving tomorrow, this one might be a tad bit soberer than the last one, but who am I kidding? No, it won't be, because uh, that's all in good fun. Um, This week, we went to the Iowa City, because... That is where Riverside is in Iowa. The creatively named Iowa City. Uh, Did you know, by the way, that the Iowa River runs through Iowa City and that there's the Iowa Old State Capitol on Iowa Street next to the Iowa River in Iowa City, Iowa?
1: I feel like I'm really channeling the energy of that Ray Gun shirt right now (laughs) that says, Iowa City, all of our creativity went into the name. That's
0: true. Iowa City is not known for anything uh, like creative creativity and art uh, art or anything like that so in the spirit of the writers workshop we're going to workshop some writers that we found at the iowa city public library in between pokestops uh because my phone hates me and i can't do anything but be between pokestops Uh, so going into the library we have to pick out our uh, books for each other and frankly i think i've got a winner here But my book uh, for this week was the pretty fun title of An Appetite for Murder uh, by Lucy Burdett. Burdett?
1: Burdett, yeah.
0: Burdett, yes. It is uh, a Key West food critic uh, mystery, which I maintain is the most specific Netflix category there is. (laughs) Um, uh, I will go first at that one. I'll talk about it. But I'd like to ask Sue... Uh, what were your thoughts in grabbing me this book? What you, what were you looking for?
1: You know, I wasn't looking for a whole lot. The cool thing that I really like about the Iowa City Public Library is that they divide out their mystery section. So there's the fiction section, and then there are several stacks specifically dedicated to mystery books. And I, I decided that that was the genre I was going for this this episode and so I wandered through the mystery stacks and I really liked this book because the back cover just seemed so delightfully cheesy like there were all sorts of like really overly kitschy and cutesy like food puns mm-hmm. and like really over the top and super sweet like metaphors and analogies and things and I was That's like a f- food pun I think that Mick is going to hate this, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> well, So that's how I picked An Appetite for Murder. Uh,
0: I am sorry to say you fell a little short. Uh, the back cover is indeed, I wouldn't say cheesy, because it has to do mainly with desserts, unless it's cheese cakey.
1: I uh, wish I could poeticize the eye roll that I just gave. Like I really want to put it into words it was really for you. that was really
0: poetic. Uh, Instead of being cheesy, I would classify this book quite appropriately as overly sweet, a little saccharine, you know, Mm, a little uh, overbearing on my lack of a sweet tooth. By the way, uh, Susan's main qualm about me is what?
1: So someone asked me, we were in about year three or four of dating, and a person asked me, what is your biggest concern about dating Mick or potentially marrying Mick? And I answered with 100% honesty the fact that he doesn't like dessert.
0: Yep. That
1: is one of my biggest concerns about you as a person.
0: That I don't like dessert. That you don't like dessert. Yes. So this entire uh, book kind of revolves around a... oh no. I dropped the book on my computer. You Ruined everything. Now, Good it's, job. It's still going, it's still alive. Um this whole book revolves around dessert, uh the the murder weapon. I'm spoiling this a little bit. <laughs> There's so many food puns that I can make at any given time. The main we- or the main uh, murder weapon. This is the worst game of Clue ever. Is a key a poisoned key lime pie?
1: Lame. Yeah, lame.
0: I wish that they had called this like a uh, key lime die. Would be a really good name for it. Or like meringing a murderer.
1: Meringing a murderer. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. Um, or uh, uh, law and hors d'oeuvres. <laughs>
1: You know Law. what's great? Is no, that wait,
0: I... wait. I didn't think you let that one breathe. Law and hors d'oeuvres.
1: No, no, no. I just wanted to say <laughs> that I, I think the best part about that joke was that I was looking at you, and I could see you coming up with it. Like, I could see it in your face that you were coming up with that joke. I think that was the funniest part about it. Like, it was a good joke, but it was not better than right, watching my... you find that Spotted... joke.
0: It Spotted dick wolf. Spotted dick is a... Uh dessert and dick wolf is the man who made law and order
1: see if you have to explain both
0: parts of the joke well i have to explain it to you there's layers and layers of this joke in this cake cake has layers right parfaits parfaits ogres
1: parfaits have layers anyway to this book have layers
0: uh to this book is it is overly sweet everything is very charming and takes place on key west and the vibe which honestly gets put pretty well across except it's a bad vibe like, well, it's a good vibes, but I do not like the vibe. It's, like, overly kitschy, and it's like if Jimmy Buffett just kind of hung out and increased property rent a little bit too much. Uh, but the author does a really good job. I'm pretty sure she should be from Key West. It, I've never been. Um, but it sounded like the places that she was talking about were real and, like, not the restaurants and not the people, but the streets and some of the landmarks and the weather. Uh she did a good job of getting that across our main character Haley catherine she wants to us to call her Haley catherine procrastination snow and i was just like It no. really
1: just doesn't flow
0: no plus i don't know what it is about these types of books these like breezy airport fiction mysteries that like why do they always have to be written in the same voice they're always the same first person basically the same character like a little Scatterbrained, you know, uh, talks too much and worries about the wrong things.
1: Because she's every middle class white woman, like that's the kind of person that purchases this sort of airport fiction.
0: I suppose, uh, but she moves down to Key West after one hell of a month. Uh, she graduates with a, a degree in uh, chemical engineering, I believe, as it relates to nutrition, because she wants to be a food uh, critic. And her parents won't allow such a lowbrow profession, so she. Oh,
1: so she's not old.
0: No, she's young. She's young.
1: I was imagining her as like a forty-five-year-old woman. Oh, uh, she's like twenty. Five, I don't. Oh. Yeah, um,
0: but That's she annoying meets. Annoying
1: to me. I don't really know why. Okay,
0: <laughs> you didn't have to read this book. Uh, <laughs> she uh, meets a man in her native state of New Jersey. Uh, he's handsome. He's. They always are. Charming and. I didn't really ever get a physical description of his handsomeness, so suffice it to say he is handsome. Uh, he is a divorce lawyer in Key West. Uh, he asks her to move in after a whirlwind week of dating. She moves from New Jersey to Key West to be with him. Gross. Do not worry that most of the book is her whining about how stupid of a decision that was. and She can never make decisions, and that's the one she made, so maybe it's a good thing she never makes decisions. But, uh, being in Key West with a college roommate and a childhood best friend so the small town of key west is also uh basically just new jersey south apparently uh is good that she has those friends because she walks in one day to find her boyfriend cheating on her with this woman uh let me look up kristen on the back uh this woman kristen she walks in they're having an, or they're doing it in the bed and whatnot so she gets loud and they break up, and she moves in with a college friend on her houseboat. She lives in the marina. Uh, blah, blah, blah. She wants to be a food critic. Uh, she sees like this open casting call for writers. I should know what those are called. Um, <laughs> for this like new lifestyle magazine, creatively cut, titled The Key Zest. Ooh. I actually like that. That's, That's cute. That's a pretty cute one. Uh, she applies to be the uh, food critic position, and wouldn't you know it, who is the... Uh, managing editor for the food critic section, but Kristen, the, the, what's a polite way to say this? Hussy? The, the
1: other woman. The
0: other woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. and so it, it must be a very small world. Uh, her high school friend is a psychologist. It's kind of like The Room, uh, with, you remember Peter, the psychologist? Oh,
1: yeah. The one who was in a different person halfway through the movie. <laughs> Indeed.
0: The one who gets played by a different actor halfway through the movie. Uh, the one who has a concussion in one scene, and that's why he's touching everything and blinking a lot. Uh, by the way, read *The Disaster Artist*. It is a terrific book exchange. Um, but good thing she has a psychologist friend, because now everyone's subtext and motivations get to be laid bare in an explainable way. Um, so she's looking to become this food critic for this terrible woman who broke up with or broke her relationship up, uh, and then that terrible woman, Kristen, ends up dead by Keyline (gasps) Piedet. No! So she is uh, the prime suspect. She needs to clear her name. And, you know, as a mystery, I'm not really going to go into all of the plot because, number one, that'd be really boring. Number two, it's like a beach novel. It doesn't go too far. There were a couple pleasing twists and turns, and I was very satisfied with, um, like, the setup and the payoff and the foreshadowing, and you could kind of see where the story was going at times, and other times it surprised you, so that type of stuff. Uh, it never really gets to detectiveness. Like, she's trying to clear her name a lot, but it's mostly just her asking questions. It's never, like, a Raymond Chandler novel. Like, it's never a film noir, Humphrey Bogart, like... Although it does rain a bunch. Um, but...
1: It's not supposed to rain in the Florida Keys. Yeah, I don't know.
0: The... The character of Haley was kind of both awful and pleasantly surprising. Uh, I I made up a list, and there I made up a list of reasons to hate this woman, Okay. and reasons to like this woman. Right underneath my note, the boyfriend did it that I guessed in like chapter four. Uh, spoiler alert: he does not. Oh, I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so the reasons to hate this woman: uh, she's consistently late.
1: It's a big peppy for it's you. Big, it's a big turn off.
0: Big pet peeve. She has very odd fashion. At one point, she is wearing shin high bright red cowboy boots with black jeans and a white shirt, which I think is I odd. I feel like
1: bright red cowboy boots are just something that you shouldn't
0: wear. It's like, you look like Jessie from Toy Story. Yeah. She's overly kitschy. She's bad at being. I don't really know, understand what I meant when I wrote that down, but it's a pretty good on. She has a favorite tarot card guy, you know, like a... Tarot cards, the fortune telling device. Am I yeah. saying
1: that right? Tarot. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right, and I know what you're talking about. I'm just really hung up on the fact that not only does she have a tarot card guy, she has a favorite tarot card. Oh guy. yeah, her. Like there are so many that she's encountered in her life. Indeed. So she's got a favorite.
0: She's like, yeah, you know, like, oh, my carpet guy, or
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. We have a carpet guy.
0: Well, no, like a, a contractor might. Oh. Uh she's weirdly confrontational. Like she's nice to everyone, but. She'll, like, go up and yell at her ex when she sees him in a bar or whatever. Uh, she babbles constantly. She gets interviewed by the cops a lot, and she's just constantly talking and too many details, and it's weird. Her favorite euphemism for, uh, like, swearing is rat bugger.
1: That's awful.
0: Uh, she cries a lot, which is never, like, not in, like, this a sweet way, but just, like, constantly, like, con- well... To be fair, she's the number one suspect of a murder, so I don't blame her too much.
1: It makes me a little nervous that one of your, like, things to not like about this woman is that she cries a lot, because I also cry a lot.
0: No, you cry a lot from happiness. She cries a lot because she gets confused. <laughs> confused cry a lot is not good. All right. uh, she is also a lightweight, which does not go well with my too-like calm. But she she drinks, in the course of the, uh, the book, a glass and a half of prosecco and wakes up the next morning with a hangover i know but something too like she likes to get drunk and eat a bunch because she's a uh, food critic and there's a lot of like hey let's grab a beer and drinking in all is treated like very adultly mm. and healthily uh, throughout this book so i was pretty happy about that you know like friends grab beers and they don't drink to excess but they get a little buzz on and they feel nice and whatnot uh, she also has some feminist tendencies. Her mother is a, a a homemaker, and people keep calling her out about that. And she's like, well, she likes doing it. What if she wanted to be a homemaker? Mm-hmm. So that's like eighth wave feminism right there. I don't know what wave we're on.
1: Okay, just to be clear, these are the things you like about that's her. That's the thing okay, I like. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Getting drunk and eating, feminist tendencies. And that concludes the list.
1: <laughs> I mean, those are pretty good things to have on your list.
0: I suppose, but... Um, The thing is i don't like her as a character and the new surprise is that that's a good thing like every other terrible book exchange the fact that i didn't like this person as a character would be a failure of the author yeah the author has written a bad person Mm -hmm. like they are bad at writing a good person and that person turns out bad yeah this author wrote this person to be fallible and kind of bad at being a person she's not the greatest at her job and she's not the greatest at being a detective or being a friend or being like a murder suspect and Mm -hmm. other people call her out on it like give her advice her lawyer comes through and he's a he's also a bad lawyer but he gives good lawyer advice so that made me realize that it was not that the author is bad and failed at writing a good person she succeeded in writing a pretty middle of the road kind of lame person so it's really like can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terrible book exchange, succeeding in writing a character. Um, the worst parts of the book are always the food critic parts, because reading a book about food is like hearing someone describe a painting. Like, every sense that's involved with, like, enjoying food is totally divorced when you're reading it through a book. Yeah. Uh, although she does come up with a totally cute way to... Uh, review food instead of having the four stars she's gonna have three palm trees and i mean oh it works the same exact way there's less of them and it's a different noun so i don't know why bother but whatever (laughs) i mean i guess
1: when in the Florida Keys, do with the Keysians. Keysians do. Oh
0: yeah, they spend a lot of government money. That is a social studies joke. Woo! I knew you were gonna make that joke, and I'm so excited about it. Um, what what they do, or what she does, in addition to the food critic things not working so well, is every time you start to examine the plot, like past past the just like page turning, I'm on the beach and I don't really, I'm not really paying attention. Uh, kind of way it starts to really kind of fall apart and the main the murder weapon is a key lime pie the first half of the book is focused on her finding an alibi for the the time that the woman died and i don't know why nobody can wrap their butt which by the way is in the morning which who eats key lime pie in the morning yeah. first of all <laughs> who delivered the key lime pie like why was it in this apartment did anybody order it? Did it just show up? If it just showed up, why did she eat it? All that sorts of thing. But the biggest thing is, why does she need an alibi for poisoning?
1: Yeah, because she couldn't have made the key lime pie and put the poison in it at any time.
0: Yeah, and she, this could have been weeks ago. But the other thing is, they're trying to pin this on her as the, part of the, like the jealous ex-girlfriend motive, like a crime of passion, but a crime of passion does not happen through a poisoning. No. A crime of passion happens through, like, oh, I have a gun in this drawer, and I shot y'all in bed. Or, like, I stabbed you when I saw you at a bar or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not calm and whatever.
1: Premeditated, yes yeah. That's
0: the thing, is that the lawyer's like, well, maybe you did it, it wasn't premeditated. It's like, how do you have a non-premeditated poisoning? No, Especially that doesn't, make any, making, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Her being a suspect doesn't make sense, because uh, she... The whole uh, story that they cook up is of her being jealous, and that doesn't happen through poisoning, like I said. Um, It a lot of stuff just like doesn't add up. Why didn't the boyfriend at no point is suspected? From what I could see.
1: Well, well, that's making sense. But like,
0: where did the key lime pie come from? Is the question. Like, who Mm -hmm. just eats strange pie other than Homer Simpson? Ooh, floor pie. But whatever, it's oh, it's good. It's constructed well and logically, and there's payoff. There's really good A to C work, you know? Like, okay, we're at point A, and we're going to get to point C, and so we know point B pretty well. But it's just like the once... It's like key lime pie. It tastes good, and it goes down easily. But once you pick it up from the plate, it all crumbles apart because graham cracker crust and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot to say about it it's good it's weird sometimes uh there's really weird undertones there's this like class struggle undertone she talks to homeless guys and she gets help from homeless guys and she always uh is very sad about them like their lot in life and wouldn't be so great and the uh she always as a food critic reviews the like common people's restaurants and she sometimes gets berated by her perspective or her like competitors for the job that she's not doing like the real restaurants and the expensive ones she's just like i am doing the real restaurants," so it's kind of a weird subtext that doesn't get brought up a lot uh and then it just kind of surprises you at the ending pleasantly i really like that and then it is over but there's more books in this series and that's the biggest confusion point for me because i don't really know how many other times a food critic will be in trouble <laughs> like yeah. luckily the cop is inter- one cop is introduced as having a very sexy cleft chin at the beginning of the book and so you know like well they're going to do it they never do have sex in fact they don't I even bet talk. you're
1: gonna have to read book too
0: they they don't even like talk romantically until the very end of the book which you find out who did it which i was like surprised with and like oh that makes sense so that's good it wasn't like an out of the blue kind of thing but at the very end of the book they're having a beer and just literally all of her life is coming together at the end which is good i guess yeah. her runaway cat comes back like that should tell you how much of her life is coming back together she gets the food critic job her friends forgive her for the trouble they uh, she's put him through. And then the cop comes up and apologizes for putting her through the ringer. And then it ends with her accepting a date proposal from him, is how the book ends. So I guess book two is going to be their sexy, cleft-chin relationship or whatever. But... Oh,
1: okay, he can I ask you a question? Yes. Who did it?
0: Oh, I don't remember her relationship. So the woman who died was going to open a restaurant and uh she was a very focused career driven woman and the boyfriend the ex-boyfriend distracted her too much and so someone who is going to be her pastry chef at the new restaurant tried to poison the boyfriend but the boyfriend doesn't like key lime pie and so he left it and so she ate it instead and so the that murderer did not mean to murder the person she murdered So
1: she was murdered by mistake yep that's depressing. Well, I didn't
0: want to say it, but you made me spoil the whole thing.
1: Somehow, I'm kind of doubting that our three faithful listeners are going to, like, Read. go out and immediately check out An Appetite for Murder. Oh,
0: sounds like you're a little bitter. Hey! hey. No need to be so salty
1: Ooh, Good. mommy!
0: Anyway, um, Sue's book, which is going second because I think it's going to be a lot more filling of a... Uh, hey, filling, another... Uh, jostle your notes a little louder. <laughs> <laughs> filling, because it's another food pun, uh, is going to be a little bit tastier of a morsel. It's going to be a great pairing because it is awful. I Cover Me?
1: Yes, it is called Cover Me who's it about? by Catherine Mann.
0: Catherine Mann. I picked this one out of a... Uh, it was actually the second one I picked because I picked its uh, shelf mate first. Looked at the back and it's about the the first one I picked was its shelf mate. was a paratrooper dropping into some dangerous thing and rescuing a woman and then they're going to find a love. Then I happened to look at the second one and it's the same exact friggin' plot summary except this time there's a murder mystery. So I knew I had to include <laughs> it and I knew I knew I had to include it when who is in the front cover giving a blurb But Lori Foster, of A Very Merry Christmas fame, is in the front cover talking about how great this book is. That's right, Lori Foster, she of the uh, crazy pet psychic stealing a donkey story uh, from our very first episode, uh, endorsed this book. And as we all know uh, from politics, anytime you endorse something, you need to have your record looked at twice. Uh, So since I knew her record, I knew this one would be fantastic. So I decided to check out Cover Me. And Sue, you're going to have to tell us all about that.
1: <clears throat> Alright, y'all, I gotta tell you, I have been trying to sort out my thoughts about Cover Me by Catherine Mann. since about 3 o'clock this afternoon, and it is currently 8pm. And I just, I don't even know where to start with this book. So... For any of you aspiring authors out there, if you are ever sitting down at your hipster typewriter or your laptop or whatever <laughs> you do your creative work on, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I want to write a book that defies genre, it's going to be every category of novel all in one. If that's what you're thinking to yourself, I am here to tell you that that is a bad idea. Because I am pretty sure that that is what happened when Catherine Mann sat down to start writing Cover Me. And girl, if we could turn back time. If we could turn back time. Because this book is simultaneously like a military-style action book And a murder mystery and a romance novel. It is all three of those things at the same time. And I don't know if you have, I don't know, ever read a book, but books of different genres tend to have different plot arcs, structures, like climactic. Points. like mm. the the overall styles. yeah the overall style of books in different genres is different. That's sort of what? the whole point. <laughs> it's why we have genres, and so it, when you try to do three different categories
0: in one book,
1: it just doesn't work.
0: <laughs> Are you saying that this is like a uh, like a choosers of the Slain mixed with Midnight Sins?
1: Mixed with Midnight Sins and mixed with whatever that hockey book was that I read. Hip Check. Hip Check by Deirdre Martin. Yes. It is those three
0: books oh, in combination. Well, you liked one of the three. Oh, and you didn't crammed
1: read. into 324 pages. <laughs> so I spent, like, the majority of my notes, I'm not even kidding you, the majority of my notes are just, like, me trying to keep track of the plots And a a lot of the sentences that I wrote end in question marks. I'd be (laughs) like, this happened?
0: Question mark?
1: (laughs) Like, I was just so puzzled. And so I think that I want to try to share with you, the viewer, and with my lovely husband here, a succinct summary of the plot.
0: Okay. Should so I I'm asking you, you yes, I, up... I
1: think that would actually be a really good idea because okay. I was going to say, I'm going to ask you to give me 10 minutes because it is that convoluted. It was like, I consider myself to be a relatively intelligent person and I had a hard time keeping track of what was going on in this book. Ready? Okay.
0: Ready?
1: I'm ready. Set. I'm ready. Go. So a man named Brett is married to a woman named Andrea. And Andrea is in a skiing accident where she becomes paralyzed. She loses the use of her legs. And Brett would do anything to get her the treatment that she needs so that she could regain use of their legs. They could have their life back. So he turns to a life of crime. (laughs) And so Brett is not our main character. I'm starting with Brett because... That's the one thread I could sort of pick up on. So Brett turns to a life of crime and he is helping a group of, of terrorists sneak in from Russia through Alaska into the United States. And he's using this tiny little town as his sort of like um, assimilation point. So he brings them from Russia into this tiny little Alaskan town... They practice their American accents, they figure out their cover stories, and then he brings them um, down into the mainland United States.
0: Uh Uh-huh, because no one's suspicious in the small town.
1: Well, so it's, like, a really weird small town, so it's people who have decided that they want to go off the grid. And so there's technology here, but, like, they're, they're totally separate from the rest of the world. Like, they've come to this town to disappear. It's weird. And so... Brett is doing this and he's bringing in some particularly dangerous terrorists and to, disca- like to, to sort of distract the town from that, he decides that he's going to blow up a power plant. <laughs> and in order to sort of gain information about this town... <laughs> no,
0: I'm sorry. I'm pausing <laughs> the thing because I'm interrupting you. But So you're saying in order to distract from the dangerous terrorists he's going to commit an act of terrorism. You would be correct. In order to keep the small, sleepy town guessing, he's going to wake it up and frighten it.
1: Well, the power plant is, like, I would say somewhere between 70 to 100 miles away from the town.
0: Uh, All right. Yeah, I don't
1: really understand why it's going to be a distraction. Hopping
0: back into the summary. Go. All
1: right. So, we're starting the timer again. So, in order to gain information about this town, Brett starts talking to a resident of the town through an online dating site, and her name is Misty. And Misty, when she was 18... She had been dating this guy for a really long time. His name is Flynn and she thought for sure she was going to marry him but then he cheated on her. And then right after she found out that he cheated on her she got really sick. She had meningitis and she was in the hospital but they were so isolated that they didn't have very good treatments and she wound up losing her hearing. So now she doesn't have any hearing at all. And so she's decided that she's going to leave their community it's it's community with capital C. She's gonna leave their community to go down to the real world to get a cochlear implants so she can regain her hearing. Mm. But the thing is, if you leave the community, you can't come back. So she has to like say goodbye to everybody that she knows. Blah blah. <laughs> and so she's gonna go down. She's gonna meet Brett. They're gonna be together forever. Blah blah blah. Because they met online. So Wait, she thinks he's. Wait, Brett has a husband. Oh, a wife. he's getting, yeah. yeah, but she but he's lying to her right. on the internet. And so, because, you know, people lie on
0: the internet. There's no catfishing in Alaska.
1: And so, (laughs) so, Misty is getting ready to say goodbye to her family forever and go down the mountain to supposedly meet Brett, get her cochlear implants, so that she can regain her hearing. Misty can't leave because the person that guides people down the mountain when they decide to leave is Misty's sister, Sunny, and Sunny hasn't come back yet from guiding two people named Madison and Ted down the mountain. And so Misty can't leave until Sonny gets back to take her down. And Sonny was escorting Madison and Ted down the mountain. And she got caught in a snowstorm. And then our main character, because after probably like three and a half minutes of plot four. I'm finally getting to introduce our main character. Our main character, Wade, is a para-jumper in the United States Air Force. And he's been called up to that part of Alaska to rescue a team of hikers who got stranded in a snowstorm. So they rescue the four hikers and they're using their, like, scanning machine things to see if there are any other people. And he sees that Those there's exist. another person. So he jumps down in his parachute and it's Miss... No, not Misty. Misty's a deaf girl. It's Sunny. Sunny's the sister. And she's wait, 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 wait. not a part Pausing of this again. team. Pausing
0: again. Misty and Sunny are yeah. sisters. They yeah. name them after weather patterns. Yes. Okay.
1: They have a brother whose name, naturally, is Phoenix.
0: Oh. That, that no, makes... it doesn't
1: make any sense. Okay. I
0: was afraid it was going to be like Foggy or... That would be a terrible name for a dude. Well, so is Misty. Go. So is Misty.
1: So... Wade parachutes down, he finds Misty. She's trying to protect her isolated community, Sunny. so Sunny. She's trying to protect her isolated community, so she doesn't tell him where she's from or what she was doing. She makes him think that she was with the group of hikers that he just rescued, but she's not. And then sort of out of nowhere they get shot at. <laughs> And so they're running away from the person that's shooting at them. And turns out it's the deputy sheriff from her town. So she's really confused. And then they take shelter in this gorge. And then they find a bunch of dead bodies. And so Wade's team airlifts them out. And they wind up going down to the base. Is it still blizzarding. I don't, I mean, like, consistency isn't really an issue for Catherine Mann. So probably not.
0: All
1: right. So they're down at the base. And then they have sex a bunch. <laughs> and then they start to fall in love. But she's determined that she's going to go back to their town. And he just can't stop thinking about her. And then, the like, everything just sort of stalls here for a really long time. And for a book that's trying to get through three separate plot, plot lines in 300-some pages... You would think that they would like move pretty consistently, but for like fifty pages it just stalls and nothing happens. They just repeat over and over and over again how confused they are about their relationship with each other.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but I'm still not done with the plot line. You are
0: so... not. You're at seven uh, six minutes.
1: And I can't even keep it all straight after finishing this stupid book. So eventually Brett's wife, who the one who's paralyzed, paralyzed yep. She finds all of the stuff on his computer because apparently people involved in terrorist organizations aren't very good at hiding their search history. So she finds everything on his computer. What did he
0: search? like, please Google, find me the name of terrorists. I, can I mean, of... that's
1: how I would Google it.
0: <laughs> Callbacks.
1: So she notifies the authorities about the impending explosion at the power plant. And Wade is one of the people, because he's in the military, that's notified. And so Wade and his team go down and What's they search for the bombs. how it works. At the power plant. And then he and Sunny have a fight because he wants her to stay safe and go up to the ski lodge that we previously didn't know existed. And then <laughs> Sunny's sister-in-law kidnaps her and puts her on a boat <laughs> because the sister-in-law has been in league with Brett the whole time. Oh, that's and right. And... Also, the twin brother of the guy that cheated on Sonny's sister, Misty, in high school is also
0: in on it. Holy shit. Do it again, please. Okay.
1: So the twin brother of, the twin brother, whose name is Ryder, who's the twin of Flynn, who cheated on Misty, Misty, Sonny's sister, when they were in high school. He's in on it too, with Misty and Sunny's sister-in-law, who's married to their brother Phoenix. Jesus and Ryder and the sister-in-law whose name I don't remember and Brett like run away on this boat. Like the boat came out of nowhere. I didn't even know the power plant was like on the water. And they kidnap who's the one that's the main character that sleeps with Wade? Sunny. Sunny, Sunny, Sunny. Sunny. So they kidnap Sonny, and then as soon as they get on open water, Brett kills the sister-in-law and kills the twin brother of the guy that slept with Sonny's sister, Misty. And then he's keeping her the as collateral. The was like, was too many names. And, but I don't really know why he's keeping her as collateral. He just keeps throwing around the words insurance and collateral, but he doesn't kill her. And then she stabs him in the stomach with her knife.
0: Oh yeah, naturally, her knife. She's
1: a survival knife, and but doesn't it, like just just to wound, not to kill, and then tie him up while he's in, incapacitated, and then she's like t- in the process of tying him up when the boat hits an iceberg, <laughs> but miraculously, Wade knew like right away that she had been kidnapped, and so he found his team, and they got in their helicopter, and he. He swooped in and saved her. Naturally. And then he goes to Afghanistan, but then he comes (laughs) back and they're in Florida. Wait, we're still going on? That's not
0: the end of the... No.
1: And they're in Florida, but they're going to stay together. Forever? Oh, and Wade gets really nervous because his mom was in the military too and she um encountered a landmine in afghanistan and lost the use of her legs and so that makes him really worried about sunny there's the plot
0: boom nine minutes and 37 seconds you made it under 10 minutes some questions
1: <laughs> hey me too <laughs> okay
0: let's hear yours first what let's hear. like your... no, no no that's oh. my question
1: my question <laughs> is what like, I just feel like if you could have taken out one genre, if you had eliminated, I don't even know what you could have eliminated.
0: Exactly.
1: Like, half of it? <laughs> the book would have made so much more sense. Goodness gracious. What are your
0: questions? I'll let you ask your questions oh, first. jeez. My questions are, why is the whole town in on it?
1: The whole town's not in on it.
0: What was the gorge full of bodies?
1: Um, so apparently, whenever people decided they wanted to leave the town, if they weren't the people that were in on it, they would be killed. But if they were the people that were in on it, they could live. So the gorge full of bodies was people that weren't in on it that tried to leave the town.
0: So Sunny is the one who guides them away from the town. Is she the one doing the murdering?
1: No, it was the deputy sheriff. But, so the the sunny would guide them down the mountain to the base of the mountain, and then the deputy sheriff would take them to a nearby town, and so she would guide them down the mountain and then meet the deputy sheriff that she thought she could trust. The people would go with him, and then he would kill them and throw them in a
0: gorge. All right. Um, it I makes sense if you're crazy. My whatever nth question mm-hmm. is. Uh, are you going to forgive me?
1: (laughs) I'm actually, like, in a weird way, I'm sort of proud of this book. Like, I, like, I've read some bad books in this terrible book exchange, but, like, this was a bad book that I finished. So there's something... And it's just like I'm a little proud of the audacity of Catherine Mann writing a book this insane. <laughs> and so part of me is like, yeah, yep. I read. She wrote this book. I read it.
0: For pure, for pure density of insanity, this one probably takes. Yeah, I mean, well, it was it's crazy. no midnight sense because you actually were able to read it.
1: I know, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like there have been some really, really, truly awful books that we've read in this podcast. And the corresponding blog posts, but usually the worst of the worst we don't get through. But I feel like this one was. This one was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Yeah. But it was a readable kind of bad. Yeah. And like the writing itself was terrible. I'll get to that in a second. Um, But it was at least digestible.
0: Mm, get throughable. Yeah. So it wasn't like Manos the Hands of Fate from Mystery Science Theater. It was no. more like hobgoblins.
1: Hobgoblins I think would be a good comparison. Yeah. I think I've actually stayed awake for like maybe a third of Hobgoblins, Probably. so I feel like I'm the authority on it.
0: It's one where they just keep introducing new rules for their monster and you're just very confused. I
1: mean that that kind of makes sense for this book. I do real briefly want to mention the writing style of this book. So <laughs> This is the thing that kept making me sigh very deep sighs when I was reading it or be like, ugh, this book. So Catherine Mann's writing style involves a lot of sentence fragments Mm. and more periods than the high school cheerleading team.
0: Hey, (laughs) I thought I was going to have to fill in some sort of joke like that.
1: So I'm going to give you two examples and I'm going to put overly long pauses in wherever the periods go just for the full effect. First example, someone was, no kidding, parachuting down through the blizzard toward her. That didn't even make sense. She patted her face, her body, checking to see if she was even awake. This had to be a dream or a cold-induced hallucination. She smacked herself harder. Like, why do we need all of these pauses and periods? Why is no sentence a complete sentence? And then here's another one towards the end of the book. No damn way. She wasn't giving up on life. She wasn't giving up on a future. A future with Wade. Her rock-headed, stubborn, honorable lover. The only man ever to move her all the way to the core of her being.
0: Give her an orgasm.
1: She wanted his body, she admired his integrity, and just flat out loved Wade the man. Like, Wade the man. What else is Deadpool? he? Deadpool. I don't know. So that was a little annoying to read. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just goofy. Like, it's just a really goofy, goofy book. Um, there was some in oh so another thing about the writing she uses a lot of descriptive language that like doesn't really mean anything and so my favorite phrase that was used to describe used multiple times throughout the book to describe wade who's our main male character was that he has the face of a fallen angel
0: uh can you How would a police sketcher draw the face of a fallen angel
1: like that's the thing what does that mean
0: does he have a little goatee and like tiny horns
1: (laughs) apparently um i think his skin is bright red and you can see the shadow of pitchfork on his face he's got a a little tail and yeah Yeah. clothes that's what it means to have the face of a fallen angel so it's like all of like it's like she took a bad workshop on creative writing and Mm. took all of the worst lessons to heart. Like, I need to use really descriptive writing and a lot of metaphors. And so she's saying a lot of things without saying anything. But at the same time, she's writing a book in which she's crammed so much into it that it's indecipherable.
0: (laughs) It's just a bizarre
1: combination of things. Um, Yeah, I don't know. So that's, like, I feel like there was so much happening that you couldn't even really process anything. There was no room for character development. I keep forgetting the name of the main female character, which I feel like that says a lot about the book. Sunny. Sunny. What happened to Misty? Um, so in the end, Misty winds up getting back together with Flynn, the guy that cheated on her with her best friend June when she was a
0: senior in high school. Why does everyone have white trash names?
1: But he decides that he is going to risk, um, being kicked out of their community and he is going to take her down to the, like, the mainland, the contiguous 48, and get her surgery for her cochlear implants so that she can hear again. She miraculously regains her hearing, but they wind up being able to go back to their community and they...
0: Why would you want to? Everyone's they said a something, No,
1: no, no They said something really... She said something really, lame about, like, leading the way towards the more open and communicative community or, like, something like that.
0: What happens know. to the terrorists?
1: Presumably they're all arrested.
0: Presumably by the deputy sheriff.
1: I mean, presumably. No, by Wade's para-jumper troop, who is the whole military. The entire military. <laughs> the entire military. Um and then I don't know what happens to their brother, but so their sister in law is dead because she got shot mm. by Brett. I don't well, know what happened phoenix, to the brother. Was, I don't know. Brother in law
0: probably died and then came back.
1: I bet he is a phoenix. But so Misty and then what's Brock. his bucket Flynn Ash wind up um, raising Misty's brother and sister in law's baby. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, what happens to the woman who can't walk? We I mean, don't know. Oh, alright. Well she good for her. I yeah.
1: Guess. I mean she
0: Is derailed a the the terrorist author.
1: plot. So I'm hoping someone gave her legs. Legs. Yeah.
0: Well <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that one. That was better than I was expecting to give to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it was like I'm just, I'm almost a little bit astounded by this book. Like, it's insane. I that know. is a lot of plot crammed into a relatively low number of pages.
0: Oh yeah, we should just add more pages.
1: No, thank you. I would not want to read that, any more pages. The best part about this book, the part that I really liked, was that the main character, Sonny, has a dog. And he's great. Neat. <laughs> That's it. Is he a malamute i think he might be a malamute oh so but he can whatever kind of dog he is it's the kind of dog that according to the author i don't know if this is real life or if she made it up it's the kind of dog that george lucas had and he he like patterned chewbacca's speech patterns off of this dog
0: nope
1: catherine may have made
0: that up well uh george lucas did have a dog but uh, George, or, uh, the Wookiee's speech patterns were patterned off of a lot of different animals. Okay,
1: well, Catherine Grrr. Mann made that up. Also, and the dude she makes said,
0: doing, like, he makes those noises. Grrr. I can't do a chewy sound. No, you can not No. You didn't even try.
1: I know that I can't. I so can't try. make a machine gun sound. He was
0: trying to make a chewy noise.
1: <laughs> 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 me, 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 me. <laughs> me, 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 me. And I, when we first started dating, I had this whole thing where he would always ask me and all of my female friends if we could make a machine gun noise because he had a theory that girls, on average, cannot make machine gun noises. Women,
0: I'm sorry, women cannot make machine. gun
1: noises. Which was true because my version of a machine gun noise is shuk
0: shuk 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 I don't. It's shuk shuk. You can roll your R's, right? Roll your R. roll an R. That's practically it. Shuk 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 shuk. There we go. Okay, well, with that stirring rendition of uh, an action-packed scene from Cover Me, uh, that will do it for this week at BiblioVile. This week. Oh, thank goodness we do not do one of these a week. We could do it once a week. We probably could with the speed we read this. Oh, here's a helpful hint. If you want to get through more books in your life, if you think, like, I'm not reading enough books, I need to read more books, uh, don't have a day job like me. Uh, so that will do us do us for this edition of BiblioVile. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Dickie Ma, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. Uh, I'm pretty hilarious, and uh, my mom thinks I'm handsome. Uh, Sue can still be found at and J, that's an S with three U's, S-A-N-J, despite her last name being different.
1: Okay, but I changed my last name on Twitter.
0: All right. Uh, our secondary, uh, reviews of these books can be found at our, on my personal blog that Susan is pretty much a co-owner of now because that's all we use the blog for anymore, this terrible book exchange. And that is opinionsandother.blogspot.com, uh, that represents opinions and other irrelevancies, although I have since changed the name of the blog, so it does not matter anymore. Uh, Our theme music is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Uh, We heard it on NPR and said that would be good for a podcast, so we used it for that. Um, Next week, we uh, uh, should—next edition, we should have more books from the Iowa City Library. Hopefully, my Pokemon Go works well enough to actually get to visit one of the Pokemon stops in that area. Uh, Sue, are there any closing thoughts you'd like to leave with the listener?
1: I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts right now because my brain is still a little muddled by Cover Me by Cather Mann, so have a good night, my friends.
0: I am too. What? Law and hors d'oeuvres. Uh, uh boop. boop, 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 boop. Ah!